0: This is episode 123 of the Prepper Website Podcast. Today's articles are Nuclear Effects, How to Make Gunpowder Step-by-Step with Pics, and the Unpanic Button, Two Strategies for Interrupting an Anxiety Attack Without Drugs. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version, with some commentary, of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Alright, so let's go ahead and just jump in today. Uh, It probably won't be a very long podcast, uh, but today if uh, if you just haven't been paying attention to the news at all, you uh you missed that uh things have kind of ramped up a little bit with North Korea. Uh, North Korea has um I guess word has gotten out that they're able to uh put uh a nuclear warhead in one of their missiles and or they at least they've made it small enough to be able to put in one of their missiles uh that could potentially reach the United States and not just, you know, Hawaii or anything like that. Uh, and then, of course, Trump and, uh, you know, the fat, uh, fat little man from, from uh, North Korea uh, started, you know, they <laughs> exchanged words, I guess. And then uh, North Korea, uh, it's reported that their, uh, their national or their, you know, their media controlled uh, or their government controlled media said that uh, they were looking at bombing Guam. Of course, so you know people start freaking out and all that kind of stuff. I've uh, been talking about that that you know crazy little man over there. Uh, you know he, I don't know, he's got a death wish. I, I don't understand. You know, uh, after seeing some of the the things that have happened to other dictators around the world, you would think that you wouldn't push it so much. But uh, he doesn't have a problem pushing it. I think it's starting to become a problem for China now because China's starting to like, hey, this this guy is not settling down. I mean, he's you know. Uh, he, he's out there doing, saying these crazy things, and and he's going to cause some problems, uh, and and make this whole situation uh, possibly go nuclear. You know, the issue is is that um, something is done to North Korea that they can start firing off artillery to South Korea, and places like uh, Seoul. Uh, you know, there's a lot of people living in Seoul, and the artillery can easily hit over there and cause a lot of damage. So. How do they knock out all of that artillery all at one time? Um, you know, if if they were going to do a preemptive strike, and and that's not the case. So, um, the you know the the Wall Street started because uh, all this kind of started happening towards the end of the day, uh, at least for Wall Street, and so Wall Street started to uh, get a little bit of effects there. It's all over the like the Drudge Report. You see it all over Twitter. Uh, things that are they're that going on, and so. Um, you just wonder you know uh, is, is this right around the corner or not, or you know how much will this affect? Does this have the potential to um, to really start firing off you know nukes and stuff like that? you know there's people probably and, and when you start really thinking about it, there's probably people in the government who are okay with this going on i mean the the military industrial complex I'm sure is okay because they can start ramping up production and sell a whole bunch of uh, bombs and weapons and all that kind of stuff, uh, then you have uh, people who are probably thinking of, hey, this might be a good way to boost the economy or you know, uh, maybe even crash the economy and blame it on the war. Yeah. So there's a b- just a bunch of different things that are kind of going up in the air. And so when uh, I started seeing that I've been, I've been in meetings all day today and when I saw that on Twitter because every once in I mean, a that's kind of where I go to check out my news I started seeing it. I'm like, oh, you, you know, here we go. I wonder where, where, what kind of turn this is going to take. I know that I we posted on Prepper website uh, recently an, an article on the AmericanReadout.com uh, about nuclear effects, and and this is um, just a very quick article uh, and with two resources. Uh, one of the resources I have posted. Uh, actually, this this resource has been around for a long, long time, but I think it's a really good one. And um, just for maybe some of you who are new, because I know that there's a lot of new people. Um, I guess the more that uh, if, when you sign up for the, the email list, uh, between the time that you sign up and then you get the first uh, email for the 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 e group. I'm sorry, the the e course. Um, they ask you you know if you have some time if you'd like to you know fill out a survey. And how uh, how new are you to preparedness and whatever? And so it used to be pretty close where uh, people that had been preparing for like five to ten years um, were you know just slightly under the rest. People that had been prepping for five years and under. But now that number is starting to go down a lot more, and so there's more people that have been prepping for five and less years that are, uh, I believe, that are in the e-course, that are listening to the podcast, that are coming to Prepper website, and so you might not have seen this resource before. So it's good to kind of revisit it because I think it is a powerful resource. So uh, let me read this article. It's a very, very short one, and then I'm going to talk about this resource and then another video that I'd like to point you to. A common sense, I'm sorry, nuclear effects. I'm sorry, it's late, and I'm, I'm already uh, not reading correctly here, so sorry. All right, uh, nuclear effects over at AmericanReadout.com. A common scenario is that of nuclear attack, and it includes common questions like, what about nuclear incidents or attacks? Where will I be safe from a nuclear bomb blast? Where will I be safe from fallout effects? In answer we offer links to two crucial resources. NukeMap. First, what are the effects of the bomb? How big is the blast radius? How about the damage from the pressure wave? Well, depends on how big of a bomb. How much radiation might you be exposed to? Depends on the bomb and how close you are. NukeMap is a great resource because it runs all the physics calculations for you and includes handy presets for known nuclear devices. Are you more worried about nuclear attacks from Russia, China, or nuclear North Korea? NukeMap has pre- presets for all the known weapons and yields. But when I'm stressed, stress testing the feasibility of a location, I just go worst case, worst case and use Russia's design but never built 100 megaton bomb. They tested the 500 megaton version. There's nothing bigger so it works decently for a worst case illustration. Most places in the readout wouldn't see a thing even from a bomb that big. But just in case your chosen spot might be on the fringe, try a more realistic scenario like North Korea's latest weapons test which are substantially smaller. And of course, this is all ignoring the question of which targets would be worth it to an enemy nation to expend their nukes on. That's a topic for a whole different resource. Which way does the wind blow? Fallout is going to come from the winds pushing that mushroom cloud across the map in the hours after detonation. But which way is downwind from your theoretical blast in nuke map? For that, take a look at Wind Map. It is a constantly updated live projection of wind forecast in the U.S. Pros: It is an excellent visualization of winds in the U.S. and is hypnotic to watch. You can zoom in on the map and see more details in a local area. The cons. It was coded as an art project, so does not offer much in the way of locators. You'll have to eyeball your location based on lines between the nearest major cities. It is also a current forecast, so will change with developing weather patterns. Nevertheless, it's still still useful because if a bomb went off near your hypothetical retreat location, Would current winds push the fallout over your field? You could even use the wind map to determine if an incident at a regional nuclear power plant would affect you. Between these two resources you've got a handy means of eyeballing your exposure to possible nuclear scenarios. More detail will be needed to analyze likely nuclear scenarios like enemy, likely weapon, likely target, but that will be a smaller subset of the possible scenario. Um, on the wind map, you might want to, um, if your phone, if if you have a smartphone, you might want to go and just bookmark this, uh, this wind map. There are certain apps, um, weather apps where you can bring up the wind and, uh, you know, see where, where, how things are rotating and stuff like that. Uh, see where the jet stream is and, and blah, blah, blah. But if you want to, you know, maybe, uh, bookmark this one, you can, uh, sometimes it's very helpful if you have a browser, uh, like for instance, in, in my uh, my Android phone, uh, I have the ability on the Chrome browser to uh, select that I'd like to view the website, um, you know, as a desktop version of the web, of, of the website and not a mobile version. And so sometimes that really helps out in being able to get to where I need to get to because mobile versions of Websites, you know, the, a lot of the times look a little bit different. So you might want to consider that, and so you have that very, very handy. If there ever was an emergency, you could just kind of bring that up, and hopefully you could get to the internet. Uh, if, you know, if that was the case. Now, this nuclear, like I said, this nuke map. You bring it up. It's attached to Google Maps. Uh, I, be- I believe. Let me. I'm gonna click on it. Uh, it's been a while since I've done this one. Uh, and when I went over it to it just recently I just wanted to make sure that it was still working um, it's taking a little while to load but you can select the um, you can select w- what location you want on the map and then you can select all the different presets like it was talking about you could select the different bombs or whatever so um, you can yeah so I believe this is, yeah it is Google Maps so what you can do is you just minimize it, and you would just kind of go over to, like, I would go over to Texas. And, uh, you know, one of the things that they say about Texas in my area is that the Houston Ship Channel, because it is a major port, would probably be bombed. And then we have, like, all of uh, Pasadena and uh, Baytown and all those areas down there, those industrial, uh, all those oil companies would be bombed as well. Uh, so uh, you always have that uh, in the back of your mind thinking about that kind of stuff uh, and you know where the winds would be blowing at that time. so you could kind of set all that kind of stuff or even if you wanted to kind of nuke the middle of Houston, um, you know how far would it uh, being out in the suburbs, how far uh, would the blast come in, in the fallout and all that kind of stuff. So it's very very interesting the, uh, to use that nuke map. You might want to go and just go check it out a little bit, especially with all the, the craziness that we have going on. But uh, in, in looking at that and to thinking about that, I remembered a uh, a set of videos that Tin Hat Ranch did a while back. And uh, so I'm going to go. I, I went ahead and I went back into uh, you know if you go to Prepper website and you you ever want to do research on a specific topic you can always go to the to the tag cloud uh, if you go to the top right hand corner of prepper website there's a little drop down menu and if you will select prepping topics or research prepping topics yeah, just click it and it'll go to the tag cloud and you can go pull up any article uh, that you uh, or not not any article any uh tag right any topic that you want to uh, look up And then you know that those, everything that's on there, all those articles have been posted on Prepper website. And so they've been curated from all the years of, uh, you know, all the different sites that we've posted, you know, we posted every single day. And so uh, it's not like you're going to Google and just, you know, hey, what's, what's, you know, what's there for me? Uh, What does Google want me to see? This is all, you know, coming from, you know, great preparedness websites. So Tin Hat Ranch did uh, a nice, I thought, a very nice uh, series of videos on nuclear and bombs and, and different things like that. So I am going to link to their, uh, to part four. I think it was their last one. Uh, and he did the Tsar the bomb, the effects of a nuclear bomb. Uh, I, I think it's really good. But you can go search. Uh, of course, if you go to proper website, you go to nuclear um, on the tag cloud, you'll be able to get to them because you'll see, you know, part three, part two, part one, uh, or you could just go to Tin Hat Ranch and search uh, there, uh, nuclear, you know, nuclear part three or whatever you want to do there, and go check it out. Uh, that might be interesting. And if not, you know, at least you have something. Uh, to, to share with other people who might be interested in, you know, you start talking about nuclear or nuclear war or whatever, like, hey, I just came across this great website uh, or this great map that you might be interested in, and you can share that with them. All right. The next article is uh, called How to Make Gunpowder Step-by-Step. Uh, this is black powder, and it's coming to us from Urban Survival Site. So uh, let's go ahead and just dig deep into this one. Um, I think this is a good article. You're going to want to come check this one out just because of the pics and, and uh, you know, something very interesting and easy to make, really. In the Chinese culture, there are four great inventions that are celebrated. You may have recognized them as the Beijing Olympics as they made an appearance at the Games. They are paper making, printing, the compass, and gunpowder. Although there is a widespread belief that the Chinese only use gunpowder for fireworks, They also used it in battle and for weaponry. While the Chinese did not put together the rifle as we know it, they were using the explosive nature of the gunpowder to create weapons to kill. There were incendiary arrows and exploding spears, but my favorite was the box of fire arrows that was held by a soldier. In other words, it wasn't as benign as the just-for-fireworks claim that often gets thrown around. The mix was created by alchemists looking for an elixir of immortality. I find it amusing that even back then, we were trying to cheat death. I feel for the poor guy that tried his elixir and found that it just did the opposite. What is gunpowder made of? The basic mix of gunpowder is universal and made of three main ingredients. There are no modifications that need to be made of these base ingredients. It's merely a matter of finding them and mixing them. Saltpeter. The best source for this is stump remover and ice packs. I am partial to the stomp remover because of its consistency. It is already a fine powder and this makes mixing it much easier than using the thicker, more granule pellets. Charcoal. When you decide to use briquette oh sorry, whether you decide to use briquettes, homemade charcoal or some activated charcoal from your stock, you will simply need powdered charcoal. I like to use the activated again for consistency and fine powder. This eliminates the step of having to powder it myself and then sulfur. I get mine off Amazon though my father-in-law is using a product for his garden that would probably be better. It would allow you to get two uses out of the product. The common methods Marble mill. Many people who make gunpowder use what is called a marble mill. It is very important that you thoroughly mix your ingredients to get the best results. The marble mill is basically a container filled with marbles that is spun by another source. Most recipes call for a 12-hour mill with all three ingredients inside the mill. Blender. A blender or a food processor can be used to make some great gunpowder as well. Again, if you can achieve a good incorporation of ingredients. Another method is to add a little water to the mix and dry the mix again. This helps with the bonding and the mix. Pulverize. You can also use the old mortar and pistol method. The first time I made gunpowder, I used this method. It's a punishing and grueling way to do it, but in a time where we don't have many options, it's good to know you can make it happen without electricity. Common mistakes. Though this is a straightforward process, you will find that there are many ways to screw it all up. Not mixing it thoroughly, varying the formula, Using ingredients that are not fully processed like lumpy charcoal or unprocessed saltpeter. Your homemade gunpowder recipe. The ingredients. 75% saltpeter, 15% charcoal, and 10% sulfur. This is the formula no matter the batch size. Tools. You'll need gloves, eye protection, breathing mask, glass bowl or container, sifter or colander, Wooden spoon, glass jar. I say pickle, pickle jars and stuff to drink out of. Safety first. Mix the stuff outside and make sure you use adequate protection. Assure your location has great ventilation if you are not mixing it in in the outdoors. It is designed to explode and it is made of some pretty nasty stuff, none of which are meant for your lungs. Before you start, be sure you have on gloves, eye protection, and a breathing mask. Number one, fill your container with 75% saltpeter. I decided this amount by basically equating 75% to 3 fourths of the total volume of the container I am using. In this case it's 3 fourths of the glass jar. Number two, break down your charcoal and sulfur next. You do not want to do half and half as that is not the formula. So I make sure to add my charcoal layer first and go heavier on the charcoal. It's never exact, but remember, the charcoal is what is going to catch fire first, so having too much isn't a bad deal. Fill the jar the rest of the way with sulfur. You should have something that looks like this. So like I said, it's nice to have the pictures. It always I, I think it's always nice to have the pictures, but the, you have pictures here. Number three, the rest of the process is about mixing. The more thorough the mix, the better it will perform. I first use a colander and glass container to sift into You never want to work with metal on metal when creating black powder. Sparks can be real bad. Number four, sift this mix once and it will not be completely incorporated. You will wind up with a mix that is similar to the picture below. Once you sift the mix again, it will make a big difference. You may find that you have some clumped up sulfur in the mix. Just break it up and sift the whole thing again. Number six, from here you should have a well incorporated mix. I usually turn it over until it's onto itself a minute or so to mix it even more. The ingredients you are using are already powdered so they mix easily. Number seven, to test your mix, simply grab some paper out of your printer, pour a line of gunpowder onto it and light the corner of the paper. Number eight, if it worked, you will have a serious flame and bubbling releases of heat from your mix. The best part about this stuff is you can store all of the components separately and make it when you need it. Why will you need it? Well, you can make some really cool fireworks or you can mount an insurgency against NATO forces in the event of a martial law like Takeover of America. Your call. One of the things you could do as well is uh, make a a smoke bomb. And uh, that might be something that you might want to do. Not necessarily uh, a bomb, so let me just make... Think everyone clear on that? Uh, a smoke bomb, so that you can make a lot of smoke. Uh, so uh, there are. Uh, you, when I talk about the tag cloud, I'm. Mean, you know what? I'm going to link to the tag cloud as well, just to kind of make it easy for you. Um, there are uh, articles on on making smoke bombs. Uh, I know I remember Southern Prepper one did a video on a couple of different versions that you could buy. Um, but you know you can you can do that, and you just would pack it into a container have a way to start it and just leave it open to where it's not you know it's able to expand um i guess that's very a uh, very simple explanation of it you would have to play around with it a little bit but uh, that's the one thing I, I think you can do with it is make uh make something like that uh that would be kind of cool to to make but anyway uh, there's a lot of other things there's some comments here that people have made so you might want to go read those comments uh i'm not going to read them on on the uh on the podcast but you might want to go check those out as well. So again, that's over at Urban Survival Site and uh, Making making Black Powder or Gunpowder. Very, very easy to do. Very easy to make. Alright, so let's go ahead and move on to the next one. Our last one is, uh, it comes to us from Beans, Bullets, Bandages, and You.com. And the article is entitled, The Unpanic Button, Two Strategies for Interrupting an Anxiety Attack Without drugs, I'm going to go ahead and get into this and then I want to come back and talk a little bit about it because uh, it's something that uh, actually I incorporated probably about three weeks ago uh, in, in my own life when uh, I had a little attack. So uh, I'll come back and talk about that in just a minute. Your heart pounds. Your breath comes fast and shallow. Lunch is a, is a hard, unmoving lump in your stomach. Cold sweat trickles down your spine. Nails dig into your palms as your fists clench. Your eyes are wide as visions of doom dart through your thoughts. Maybe an urge to flee overwhelms your thoughts. Maybe you feel a need to lash out at whoever is closest. Maybe you can't seem to make your limbs do anything at all. It's a panic attack. Sometimes there's a very good reason for such a strong fear response. Although the fear itself is more likely to kill you than save you in the modern world. See Paranoid pe- Preppers recent post from Escape from New York. Sure, being in a skyscraper when a plane slammed into it and set it a fire made sure fear very reasonable. Made such fear very reasonable, but he wouldn't have made it out of the city if he'd given into panic and simply fled or started a fight or been paralyzed by fear. Other times, there's no good reason for the fear, so far as your conscious self can tell. 3% of the U.S. population suffers a panic attack, what we call these episodes when they aren't sparked by a clear and present danger each year. That's 3% a year when in a fairly peaceful and settled nation where many people have access to medications to help them regulate such problems. What do you think will happen to the incidence of such attacks when people face a lot more danger, deprivation, and uncertainty with less access to mental health services? The amygdala is an evolutionarily old, primitive part of the brain, much similar among every creature with a backbone from fish to human. It's also a very cautious structure, triggering the flee, fight, or freeze response Whenever something seen, smelled, or heard matches a remembered time to fear. Those panic attacks aren't really for no reason. They're just for no logical reason. If you smelled lilacs right before you were attacked by a dog as a toddler, lilac odor might trigger panic attacks to this day, without your conscious self even remembering the details of that scary event. Once an attack starts, for good obvious reasons or no, it's often in one's best interest to stop it. Every diver should know malfunctions don't kill, panic kills. Even when it's not dangerous, it's a miserable experience that doing that's doing you no good. The good news is there's a couple of good ways to interrupt a panic attack, shortening its duration and giving you control back. The bad news is the way most people naturally try is not one of them. I'm neither a psychologist nor a physician, but a science geek who happens to have read up on this, so as always, take this as information, not a prescription. Although many sources over many years contributed to what I'm sharing here, the box I'm sorry, the book Rewire Your Anxious Brain by Pittman and Carly were very useful and has many practical suggestions. Wrong, but thanks for playing. First, the obvious but ineffective approach: being reasonable. Reason and logic come from the cerebral cerebral cortex. It's much larger than the amygdala, complex, nuanced, capable of subtle and thoughtful responses. It's also much slower to act and much less directly wired to your physiological control. Once the amygdala takes over with a panic response, the cerebral cortex is no longer in charge and all the wisdom in the world won't stop the reaction. How can you make your brain relax? What does work is coming in the back door. Our bodies and minds are interconnected by many, many feedback loops which collect information about how we're functioning and adjust accordingly. The surprising part is that although the brain is definitely running the body through these feedback loops, the brain is also watching what the body is doing and using that as an indicator of how you should feel. Fake it till you you make it is a real thing in physiology. When researchers spent months intentionally activating particular facial muscles to generate smiles, they were studying expression of emotion, they found themselves happier. When they had to practice scowls, they got crabby. Similarly, during a time of stress, you can use what small bit of voluntary control the fear response leaves you to intentionally do a couple of very simple physical actions that naturally occur when you're relaxed. And the brain notices and decides it should be more relaxed. Sometimes life is stranger than fiction. Breathe deeply. It's a natural reaction to speed breathing when we're anxious. Hyperventilation is common in anxious people. The over breathing gets rid of too many carbon dioxide, too much carbon dioxide. Our blood pH rises and the brain starts to malfunction. This is the source of the dizziness many feeling many feel during panic attacks. Intentionally changing to slow, deep breaths gets gets our pH back where it belongs. It's also a breathing pattern the brain associates with calm. So when your brain sees your breathing that way, it it gets more calm. I know it sounds a little like circular reasoning, but feedback loops enjoy their circular reasoning. It's especially useful to concentrate on breathing with the diaphragm where your your abdomen moves in and out with the breaths rather than using chest movements. Relax the muscles. The stress reaction increases muscle tone making your muscles tight. Your cerebral cortex can override that forcing muscles to relax. This override works best if you concentrate on one area of your body at a time. Most protocols suggest starting at the feet and moving up, first tensing, then relaxing each muscle group in turn. The reduced muscle tension is reported to the brain, which apparently thinks, oh look, I'm relaxed, I better turn off this emergency response. Do it even when there's no panic attack. These approaches won't flip off the panic attack like a light switch, but they have been shown to significantly shorten their duration and the discomfort and dysfunction they cause. Moreover, doing the deep breathing and intentional relaxation practices often help reduce one's underlying level of anxiousness so fewer attacks occur. Alright, so there are um, a couple of articles that are linked to at the bottom, uh, kind of like in a bibliography form that you can go check out. Alright, um, you, you know that I'm, I'm coming from the world of education as far as uh, like my day job, Um Brain-based, you know, brain-based research has been pretty big recently, uh, where you know we try to figure out why students do what they do or why instructional practices work better than others. uh, What part of the brain we're trying to trigger that would cause a student to be, uh, you know, more apt to learn or more apt to pay attention. Uh, So this, this is real stuff. When he's talking about all of this it's real stuff and can be applied. So, uh, how did I use it recently? Recently, um, uh, we, my wife and I went to go eat some, uh, Mexican food and, uh, had a lot of, I guess, a lot of things that would cause reflux, right? So, um, I was, I was off this, this was my, during my week off of, uh, for summer break. And, uh, so we went, we ate, uh, ate a lot of salsa, had a lot of uh, tomato, very tomato-based, um, had a lot of uh, you know, like uh, jalapenos in there, had a lot of garlic. Um, the food had a lot of garlic. I mean it was great food. Uh, and you know, we had a lot of stuff that just you know would cause reflux. And I uh, haven't had reflux in a long time, but we went out to eat, and I would gotten up early, so I decided to take a nap. And that was probably my, you know, my number one worst mistake was I decided to take a nap. So I'm sitting there or laying down there, and then all of a sudden, uh, I am, I'm in a deep sleep, and I just feel like I'm gonna puke. So I jump up out of the bed, and I'm running to the restroom, you know, so I can, you know, puke. And uh, I start, uh, you know, I start gagging and stuff, and nothing's coming up. But at the same time, I have this nasty burning feeling and I feel like I can't breathe it's kind of like uh uh, it's almost like a wheezing right so I'm I'm trying to throw up and then taking a breath and it's kind of like a wheezing and just all that sound can start you know like oh my gosh you're panicking I'm not able to breathe I'm not able to take a deep breath I'm not able to do any of that and so I'm starting to throw up I mean it was loud enough to where you know my my son heard and and uh you know he let he let my wife know and so uh, I'm going through this but then I realized I'm like, hey, just settle down, just calm down, and uh, started doing that the deep breathing part. Uh, and where I wasn't able to really deep breathe, I was uh, when I would try to take in a breath, it would kind of sounded, you know, very uh, like I said, uh, uh, it, it was like well, like I was wheezing. So instead, I started taking deep breaths into my nose. And uh, that helped to calm me down and helped to settle me down as far as, you know, not kind of freaking out because I wasn't able to breathe or anything like that. I mean, I was able to breathe. Uh, it just felt like I wasn't able to breathe. And then, like I said, I had this just burning, nasty feeling. So, um, you know, that finally went away and, and uh, I wound up sleeping in the in the, uh, uh, the Lazy Boy Uh, that evening actually I did it two nights in a row just to kind of be safe Um, my dad kind of gets them all the time and so he's like man once you get one forget it you're gonna get you know you're gonna get on a regular basis so I've been trying to be careful of uh, what I'm what I'm eating and uh, you know at what time I'm eating those things so I don't have another episode like that definitely don't want to you know it just just wasn't feeling very good but you know there are things when you're feeling like that um, there was a time where, uh, for instance, certain medicines might cause your heart to race. And you're taking too many medicines and uh, uh, there's one allergy medicine that I, that I won't take because uh, after I take about 3 or 4 days of that, uh, if I, if, you know, and it, believe me, I try everything else too before that, but uh, this, is, this has been a while back, but I, I don't take it anymore because after about 3 or 4 days, it would just cause my heart to race. Now I knew I knew I wasn't having a heart attack. I knew I wasn't having. I knew it was the medicine causing that. So I wouldn't freak out. I would just you know just try to calm my you know take some deep breaths and calm myself down, and it would you know it would go away. And so it's very um, you know these are strategies to use, um, and uh, I believe very very helpful. There are some pictures here of the brain like uh, on an MRI uh, during a panic episode. So you get to see where. The amygdala is—they um, always say it's like a walnut-shaped uh, you know, size, uh, uh, you know, piece in your brain or whatever—and so it's very close to the uh, to your stem, to your brainstem. So you can go check that one out, and uh, there's also other pictures as well. Uh, but uh, now, it's, it's something to important there because there might be a situation in your life. Where things kind of get crazy, and you might need to be able to calm yourself down, or you need to be able to calm someone else down, and kind of walk them off the ledge a little bit from uh, from panicking. Because you know, especially when you're, you feel like you can't get a, a, a deep breath, or you feel like you know you, you start going down that road, you got to be able to come back somehow. Um, because you know, if not, it just it won't be good for you, it won't be good for uh, whoever's going through that situation, and everybody else around there. So uh, good article over there by Beans, Bullets, Bandages, and You. Um, so go check out these articles and, uh, like I said, that Tin Hat Ranch. I'm going to link to, um, I'm going to link to uh, the the cloud or you know the place where you can go do uh, any kind of preparedness research. Uh, you'll you'll find that there's a lot of great information there. And Then you'll go to some of the topics that are really really big that have been you know like for instance food storage. You'll just scroll down and it'll say go to the next page. So there'll be pages and pages and pages, and you can go to all the way to the you know the first, um, it, for instance, taking food storage. You can go to the very first articles I ever posted on food storage. Uh, if the websites are still around, they you know they are, um, you can get to them. And if they're not around, uh, on the very top of the page that I'm going to link to on the on the cloud. I link to a way where you can find them. So if you ever get to uh, an article that's not there anymore because the website is down, I show you how to get to uh, how to find the information that was in that article. All right. So that's uh, that's pretty uh, that's pretty great, right? I mean, you, you don't you can always benefit from that information. You can always get to it. Uh, anyway, so if you get a chance. Come by the website and uh, drop me a line in the comment section or hit me up on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. always love to hear from uh, listeners out there. All right, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until tomorrow, stay prepped and aware. Peace.